0: From Nil, Everton Nil, Wigan Athletic 2, Arsenal
1: 3. From Nil, Everton Nil, Wigan Athletic 2, Arsenal 3. Sales. How are you Come. doing, Eric? You're on mute.
2: You're on mute. You deaf con.
0: Yeah, I'm all right. Just struggling with the technology, as you can see.
1: Nice uh, shirt you got on there. What? Uh, what year is that? I think
0: it's uh, It's the one with the Fred Rolf trophy. 1985. Uh, 85. 85. 85, 85 nice. Brentford. Back in the day. It's
1: good one in it. Well, still fits me. Tight bit, bit tight around the and the nipples. But, uh, That's bloody obscene
0: though. Well. <laughs> the bits you can't see.
1: Welcome. To the Fallout Podcast episode <coughs> number 12 A.K.A. Roll Up for the Underpants Show It is a fall brackets, 500 songs, etc, etc 77, 86, 94, 2002, and so on and so forth With me today we have Mr Beard, the walker, the birthday walker But unfortunately, Sage Temple has been snowed under a mountain of ironing And will not be joining us How are you today, Mr Beard?
2: I'm fine, thank you I, I just assumed Mr Sage Temple Temple was exhausted from uh, all the work he did on the opening uh, show yesterday for the Olympics.
1: He was running around a lot, wasn't he? Did you see that fellow who's doing you know, all the pictograms? That was Sage. Improvised that, as well. Uh,
2: he's done and,
1: the job. With and are you doing the birthday boy, Mr Walker? I'm
0: all right. Uh, not only uh, breakfast, but, you know, we'll hopefully uh, manage to do this thing without passing out.
1: <laughs> Let's see. It's the best we can offer sometimes, isn't it? So here's the question for today. If Smith could only have one wingman, wing person to help him, who would be that granny on bongos? Would it be Steve Hanley? Would it be Bricks? Would it be Spencer Bird Whistle? Who would it be, Mr. Beard?
2: I'm going to go with Mark Riley. And I'm going to go with Mark Riley purely and simply because Mark always seems to be better in confrontation with other people. And I can't think of anyone who would wind him up more than Mark Riley, really, in terms of a two
1: man show. Not bad, not bad. Al, well, who would you per- him up with if it was going to be a duo i
2: like uh,
0: steve Hanley's best he was there for a long time some solid riffs
1: can't really fault anything that hanley did it was amazing around. <laughs> shows up strong and proud on both these opening tracks this evening and the obvious one for me is craig, craig but i think i think we're going to go for bricks i think that she you
2: old romantic
1: Exactly. I think she brought out something in him. But I think I'm going to sneak Hanley in there as well. <laughs> He's just in their pocket, holding it down, literally in the pocket. Just, a, just them three and a drum machine. It's a classic lineup. So today, without further ado, let's jump into it. How about this story struck me as uh, somewhat amusing? Current and former members of the four were embroiled in a lawsuit over the rights to "Touch Sensitive" In the 1999's Marshall Suite. Producer Steve Will claimed that he wrote, the, rewrote the song, which is credited to. Smith and Julia Adamson and was just entitled to a bigger share of the profit so this is the one that got on the car advert right Sharples yeah. provided recorder Amanda Michaels with a transcript of the lyrics he claims to have written however the judge noticed a discrepancy between the transcriptions and Smith's singing Mr. Smith delivers the lyrics in a manner which at some points make it hard to hear the words the Manchester Union nude reports I accept the contention that the line is not and a Star Wars police vehicle pulls off but the more comprehensible and a Star Wars was please when Nicole pulls up Michael said Michael's rules that Smith likely wrote the lyrics but she found that Sharple's instrumental contributions he added the strings be significant therefore he'll end up with one third of the royalties after all what you make of that little tidbit
2: this has
0: spoken hasn't it yeah that Next. is just bingo, done definitely
1: if you stick on some <laughs> strings on a uh, garage rocker and it gets on the telly then you all make a stack of cash so uh, any budding bands out there that's the way to go They
2: were for the rolling Stones
1: in the verb didn't it so uh... i watched the video of the of the other week and um the irony that richard ashcroft and if you watch those early videos he's just pretending to be mick jagger the irony that he then had to give almost all of his money to mick jagger in an unrelated incident <laughs> somewhat uh, Poetic
0: Poor lad poor lad.
1: <laughs> poor lad Only one mansion This week Richard <laughs> Alright Well first up tonight we, we, Well tonight There's a, there's a some Some good ones Coming out of the back We've got Impressions of J Temperance Off Grotesque Up against Iceland Off Hex And Dock Then Friends The title track Off Friends Experiment And Lost in Music Off Infotainment Scam Top 10 hit Then we come up to Hands Up Billy Versus Hotman. Rooms, both off the unutterable turn of the century and finally rounding out tonight is wolf kiddled of off imperial wax solvent up against Bertwistle's whistle's girl in shop that mark found down the back of his sofa some point <laughs> around 2003 um do you want to queue up impressions of j temperance for us i
2: that mr brandon
1: Notice, noticed on, uh, on your YouTube, Phil, he was trying to get you to listen to that Killing Joke album. Uh, YouTube really, really wants me to listen to that album. About once every six months, I give it a listen. About 30 seconds after I turn it off, because it's your proper shit. <laughs>
2: I'm not going to listen to it. Don't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight the
1: algorithm. Oh. It's not one I own. <laughs> Alistair, what do you make of this weird little tale?
2: Yeah,
0: it's great. i uh, don't let like Phil get into the lyrics for us because uh, I get confused at times of what he's going on about. And, and like he was on about with the judge, just what is he saying? You know? The
1: Star Wars vehicle <laughs> pull, pulls up, not pulls out. <laughs>
0: yeah, what was stuff about the dog breed? You know, the the, the story of Jet Temperance. Only two didn't hurt him. But it's got a really dark feel to it, hasn't it? The drum's quite interesting. I don't think, well, there's no symbols on there for a start. It's just like snare. And I don't know if there's bass drum on it or not. If there is, it's really quiet. But yeah, it's got that minimal sort of like groove to it. Uh, but it's kind of like fast, uh, you know, like it's, it's a fast walk, like you need to go and have a piss. Quite urgently. but yeah, the, the, I like the keys in there, like the plinky plonky stuff. You know, it sounds like you know, to drop the Frank thing in there again. It's like when he was playing the keyboard with a little Frank's head, it's just like bash way at it. In the best, like it, you know, it's, it's quite solid, uh, but then it, you know it does go off on one at times and uh, gets a bit wonky. And uh, when it does that, I do quite like that because a counterbalance to when they come into the next riff, which gives
1: it a kind of a crescendo-type feel. But, yeah, it's, it's one that once I've known for bloody decades. Like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great song. That crescendo, for sure, that build-up, which is a little bit cheesy, a little bit melodramatic, but it sets up a really nice mood. Everyone's really pulling their weight on this one, and um, it's a solid and hefty attempt at building a mood. Phil, what mm-hmm. do you make of Jet Emperance?
2: So, you... We've talked before about kind of peeling the layers back on these songs, haven't we? And the first, the, the first impression (laughs) haha not pun intended the first impression it made on me was um how symphonic the whole arrangement is the way that it's set up and the the way that the guitar keeps coming in with these little motifs that that seem to uh, one minute he's playing up in the the 12th position on the guitar so it's like an octave higher and then he drops back down to open position again and he's like doing this variation between the two and it's it's got that very a b kind of structure about it which you associate with symphonies Um, and towards the end of the process when something annotated forward they made the the William Tell overture which is it, it apparently is worthy they nick nicked that first bit of the bass line from because it's the other thing that, uh, that jumped out to me was the, the gallop kind of rhythm that they've got going on it which uh, we all associate so, yeah, obviously obviously Iron Maiden It's like a march isn't it? Yeah it's but it, it's got that impetus to it hasn't it like like hmm. a two-fold march you'd have it's, it feels like it's driving forward all the time doesn't it it's yeah. not, Like usually it's not getting a groove it's, it's pushing towards something and then that something comes at around two and a half minutes doesn't it with that word where it's the best that changes everything that do really does that big kind of melodramatic ride. So that was the first thing that sort of jumped out to me which is because we've done a lot of stuff about how literary references pepper through a lot of these songs but this is a really sort of classical musical influence that's that's being lifted as well, isn't it? So, and a, and a, a sort of um, concert music style to uh, how they construct it all and yeah, obviously the Lovecraft vibe in the lyrics that's, that's going through it. I've got a... Uh, my favourite left-wing critic, Mark Fisher, uh, I did lift a quote from him out of his uh, book *The Weird and the Eerie, where, he's, where he's talking about this very song, and he says, "This is a weird tale, but one subject to modernist techniques of compression and collage. The result is so elliptical that it is as if the text, part obliterated by silt, mildew, and algae, had been fished out of the Manchester Ship Canal, which Steve Hanley's bass sounds like it is dredging." And I, I, it, it has got that kind of phoned, uh, field recording kind of nature to it all, like like this kind of scrap piece of evidence that he seems to be reading from. And I, I do love that whole vibe. And then the, the keyboard, like you were saying, the sort of Frank bottom keyboard that's that's going through it, it's more of a wash, isn't it, of stuff. It's very plinky, but it's it's rhythmically engaging with the other stuff, but not melodically engaging with it. I, I, I think it's a great track, this. I, I'm interested to see if you comment on the, uh, the, the actual punchline, as it were work. Sure. Brendan of the, of the song
1: and the thing was in the impression of dang 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 it's a great story and although what Fisher says makes sense it is a little bit cut up and abstract this could have, if this was written by Lovecraft it would be a take an hour to, to kind of unfold we talked about the Dunwich horror Herbert West reanimator where things like this kind of pop up and he slowly unfolds it where Smith kind of cuts to the chase a little bit right which kind of makes it a little bit cheesier a bit hammered or a little bit like a gentleman or um, steve coogan did this kind of was it called dr strangely's house of terror something oh, yeah. where he did parodies of this kind of stuff i'd like to know and we never will of course whether to what extent smith was trying to write in a weird and eerie kind of tale and how much of it was just a bit of a piss take as well But a little bit about the dude who got it on with his dog a couple of times and uh something he shouldn't have done and it popped out or is it a bit more sinister than that but brilliant brilliant track and of all his story lyrical songs this is the one that has the strongest straight up story I think if you look at you know we talked about I'm into CB or New Face in Hell this is the one that has a full on story arc and it gets a yeah a little bit hammer horror Uh, love it did we get anything through the ether we did Uh, I
2: was playing around on the Ector sketch last night and Peely came back with Temperance Ghostly and sinister, very Lovecraft-inspired. Makes me think of one of his many characters, furtively pursuing uh, their goals, making a dreadful mistake, and now we look back at what unfolded from a position of ignorance. The mumbling bassline is marvelous.
1: It is. Um, we definitely go on, but we shall move on. To what it's up against tonight, which is another heavyweight from that era, of Hex Induction Hour, Iceland, sponsored by Kerry Katona. Here <laughs> we A
0: plate steel object was applied, and I did not feel for my compatriots. Hated even the core of Marcel. Not a matter of ill health, but was fear of weakness deep in core Marcel. The fact attainment was out of. Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Yes, yes, yes. One hour. Philip, What do you make of this?
2: We were having a little bit of a game this week in the bunker, weren't we, about uh, kind of musical references and uh, where, where ideas were take But this totally reminds me of Not To Touch earth by The Doors. The, the riffage in it, it's, uh, it's not exactly the same, but it's got the same kind of feel. And it's also that atmosphere that The Doors capture on that, that those types of records that they did in terms of it's, uh, it's a direct link from J.G. Fraser's The Golden Boat, all about like occult history and folk horror and festivals. All that kind of thing. It's such an atmospheric record, this. Like I said on the last one about it, it felt very structured and symphonic and there was a really conscious effort for a, a dynamic of climax and all that kind of thing. This has got a real improvised vibe about it. Like it's all atmosphere. It's all about kind of, uh, it's all about the journey rather than getting to any destination in particular, I think, as a, as a piece. And I find that quite hypnotic. So I couldn't work out at first, whether it was a guitar or a banjo. And I think you said it was a banjo that somebody's having a play on and then you've got these really kind of wistful piano lines going over the top of it which were really brings me of that New Age track The Space Between that I really like I think it's a really cheesy New Age bit of music but it's instantly reminded me of that and I think they, they come up with something a bit different really we've touched on a lot of the jam type stuff that they've knocked out on records but this one really worked I think it really clicks in a way that I think is probably testament to the members of the band at the time and how well they understood what they were all trying to do and they, like you said at the start they all bring something to the table don't they with this everything's clicking together and it becomes great in the sum of its part I, I really I really like that obviously that vibe but just that really kind of elemental shamanic kind of mysterious mystical kind of vibe I really like and all the imagery around where they were at at the time and where they recorded it and some of the, some of the more obscure references of like Icelandic rock and roll history as well which uh, makes was some quite interesting reading on the annotated fall which I completely missed I knew nothing of that at all so I really like it I found it it's, it's hypnotic in a way that the last one isn't very different kind of beast
1: but uh, I,
2: I really enjoyed it yeah.
1: Aye. for God's sake do start improvising said Smith and characteristically
2: <laughs> oh very droll very good
1: uh, oh Trey Bourne Trey Bourne. Alistair does this tick any boxes for you?
0: certainly it does yeah but I love that year of fall I agree with everything that Phil said and a couple of questions because it's you know the fair and
1: then we think Right Was that recorded in Iceland? Yeah so the story is That Valerie went on To be in the Sugar Cubes Is his name R. Ian, he brought them over I think a few other bands Had been But it was still Relatively unknown At the time For people to come to Iceland He went over They played a few shows While they were there They recorded A couple of songs In, the, in a studio And this was one That was improvised In the studio I think Scanlan's on the piano And Riley's on the banjo Apparently Which is why It's got that Gentler kind of feel It's not got Your rock and roll Instrumentation But yeah And isn't
2: the studio or was it in like a volcanic sort of? It was a cave. Library? Yeah, that's, that's the thing I didn't in the back of my head. It was recorded
1: in a cave in Iceland. I think so, but I seem to remember that one of the Hanley's books, I think Paul Hanley, because his is, this is about Hex Induction now itself, I think he goes into the fact that, yeah, it's in a cave, but it was a very nice cave. It was like, <laughs> it was where like all the orchestral recordings for the past 50 years in Icelandic history had happened. It was like a proper nice studio. Where
0: the post tropical of diets left.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, Iceland, home with the Penis Museum, apparently. I think they've got a, a, a Welsh penis in there. Yeah, the really sort of hypnotic sound to it stands out quite a bit. I like the drums, the sort of 16s. You get some really nice sort of natural flowing fills in there. Nice... Discord and piano, where it sort of like kind of does a, a major minor switch, as Phil said, you, you know, very kind of ambient sounding in that respect. Um, I think it'd do well, as you like, if he was going to put it on a soundtrack to a film, if he was going to do a, a, a means horror film, I think he would think that's it, too. Yeah. But yeah, I was expecting to hear the, the doors to be mentioned. You know, at times the doors do remind, not well, especially I remember mean, reminds me of Chaz and Dev. Um, but you know, that's what Chasm Dev, Eminem sampled them, didn't it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, a really like the song, I like that, even for. Uh, like
1: the lineup. It um it does stand out in a lot of the early stuff just because of its gentle kind of more ambient nature. But um if we are comparing to the doors, Smith Smith has a way with words like, like Jim did, but at no point did Smith suddenly just rip his shirt up and shout run with me through the highest Like um I always prefer guitar to Jim Morrison's so. apparently an Iggy rip off in uh, one of the later songs, but um as for this one yeah I, th- we talked a bit Phil about his voice on it whether it's because of the ambience and where he is or whether he had a rough night or he was in, he was feeling pretty calm in Iceland or whatever but he's got this weird old, like, tone to his voice that lacks the kind of anger lacks that kind of like venom that uh, but also doesn't have the kind of like slurred kind of like laid back nature of some of the stuff it's got a real weird kind of he's sharp but he's amiable <laughs> you just don't get on many tracks especially in, in that
2: I thought When we were talking about it My first thought Was that he was Putting a character on Given the 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 sort of The nature of These more poetic lyrics in it. But You you were saying It sounds more like His actual interview voice From the time And I wondered if it's Because they're recording In a different country You know like that Thing about it's easy To talk to strangers About your problems With someone you know Mm. I I wondered if it's He just felt more comfortable Kind of Just relaxing a bit more uh, In his recording
1: style Yeah And there's just There's so much in there In terms of lyrics Cast the is at MR James. So we had Love Lovejoy. Love we had Lovecraft in the last one. we got MR James in this one. And um, there's a theme running through the songs tonight of like horror tropes. So we had the Changeling in the last one. This one's, he talks about goblins and a Memerix for the Krakens, which I think is work. Mark Fischler, his essay is called Memerix for the Krakens. And it's in that excavating book I just had a look earlier. And he references both of these song and we talked about how he's got a concept called the weird and the eerie right and the weird is when something comes into your world that shouldn't be there and the eerie is when something's missing that should be there is that
2: yeah it's a bit more subtle than that but the, the weird is something that doesn't fit easily into any categorization that we already have so it's like first person to write about it was Freud. hit the german word is on heimlich he's always translated as uncanny but is what fisher says is that it's better translated as without a home unhomeliness like it's you can't pigeonhole it in something whereas you're right about the eerie thing it's like this problem of presence something there that shouldn't be there or or something not there that you're expecting to be there and it kind of boils down to to agency it's like what has caused this that i can't say you nailed it before in terms of temperance is weird with a capital w and and iceland is is eerie with a capital e i think it really does nail the vibe and both them so it's a very difficult choice isn't it lads it is yeah. for
1: me i really really love Jay temperance it's it's not that close i can see how iceland is awesome it's an outwire and it does something magical but even as campy as Temperance gets, uh, it still gets my vote relatively easily. Shall we see
2: what Peely says? Yeah, let's let's do that. All right. Iceland. How can this masterpiece be placed against Temperance so early? The atmosphere is thick, and the almost incidental-sounding accompaniment is haunting. I love the banjo. The lyrics are shamanic somehow. Temperance just about gets the vote, but this would be my pick about 50% of the time. So yeah, he's agreeing with you. He's giving Temperance two points.
1: Which, given that um, say Template here, the best you can do is pull it up into a, a drawer and then we'd have to go into points.
2: Let's
0: see. <laughs> That's a shoe <sweet> taste.
1: <laughs> Alistair, where are you going?
0: I'm, I'm going with Mum to Iceland. Yeah. I really like the song. as I set before. I like that era before Beautifully
2: in the right place.
1: He says as he gently places a cat among the pigeons. Oh, Rigby.
2: You absolute shower. It's there to me now, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, do you know, I'm really, really, really struggling with this. I would just like to say it's been a hard competition. I think we're all winners, really. But um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with Steve Hanley's bass in "Jed Prince I think it's so magnificent and leviathan in nature that bass sounds. I, uh, I, I'm gonna go with that. I think.
1: Yeah, it is a tough choice. Once you, once you get to about halfway at 250, we'll bring out the tracks that have been thrown out, and we'll have a look through, and we'll bring a few of them back in for a second chance. So I think I'm into CB and. The- this one and a couple of other big ones that have gone out might still have their day in the sun yes let's move on to the next two so we got friends experiment track friends from 1988 and then wonderful lost in muzak from the infotainment span in 1993 era <laughs> So the video for that one there, it seems like there's a group called The Archive. I don't know if they only do fall stuff, but it seems recently in the last year or two, they've just, they've started putting videos to songs but don't have them with animations. That one's pretty cool. So I thought that the minimalism of this, the minimalism of the track itself, it doesn't really change. And just the the way that that Smith just decides not to overbur with lyrics is very unusual. Usually he's and he's criticized later on maybe a little bit for not having as many lyrics and exploring the themes as much but i think he absolutely nails it with just that one phrase just that idea of my friends don't add up to one hand and then a few variations on it it's very simple very beautiful i really like the backing vocals it's a weird kind of thing that it got me thinking of TBI by the stooges because that's another song where he basically just has like two lyrics all the way through but it's absolutely awesome but the difference between that one and, and this is that this just it seems to have a meaning it seems to smith has decided <laughs> got any friends and it's really important that i get I get that message across And you can tell from his delivery That he's not really bothered either It's like It's like oh, It's my choice like, oh, I've got no mates I've got no mates I've got no mates <laughs> It's more he, He's deciding I'm in charge of who comes into the Smith Club And Bricks uh, is obviously one of them Because she gets to sing those delightful backing book oh, What do you think of uh, this song? Friends Yeah, it's not
0: one of my favourite Alpeats uh, by the Fall. the that- Friends, but, and it didn't used to have a great deal of time for, for the song it was good to sort of rediscover it and I found that I really liked it apart from like the sort of a shitty accordion synth I think it's a synth is it?
1: I think so I think so it's
0: terrible isn't it it's a kind of dubby feel to it I thought because uh, you get them sort of pissing around with a bit of delay on the drums and, but there's this kind of like elements in the like the minimalism that remind me of you know, like movement here in your order you know, where elements are Joy Division, I think, as well. But yeah, you've got a really sort of repetitive bass and uh, you know, like drums lead in it. Rim shots throughout, like, no full on snare hits gives it a kind of different sound and again that kind of like goes along with a dubby sort of feel but you know let your own innuendo to the rim shots throughout but yeah oh, it alright <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I do think it gets boring towards the
1: end though it's not super long strong for me it's kind of like it could have ended after 30 seconds and done the same job but it equally could have gone on for like 15-20 minutes I think it's a good choice but I get you it could have got away with being a minute or two shorter and still had that same effect what do you reckon Phil? so I,
2: I knew this song I'm going Going back to it, I thought, oh, yeah, it's just one that's kind of washed over me in the past, really, and not really giving it a second glance. But spending a bit of time with it this week, listening to it and, and doing the whole kind of three, four, five time <laughs> listen through, it really, really grew on me. So much so that this week I actually started putting a little personal Spotify playlist together called Mackie Soppy in terms of uh, all, all the more gentle, intimate kind of tunes, like you know, the Billy's Dead kind of stuff and the assume we did last week. Was it Birthday, birthday Song? Birthday Song, yeah. Edinburgh. Uh, Edinburgh Man, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it always catches me off guard when he's being this tender and vulnerable, and then he catches you off guard again, like you sort of alluded to, in as much as he's got this really stark, could-be-quite-easily-negative, depressing kind of line about loneliness and then he kind of comes back with <laughs> exactly why he's in the position that he's in, where his my friends can't even add so on hand. and it's like you know sort of the the that gives is the hand that takes away kind of thing, and uh, which I thought was really funny. It's, to me, that's very, very much a part of, of Smithy's mercurial nature with some of this stuff. He's very much the shapeshifter, isn't he? His uh, archetypes go, you're never quite sure whether to be sympathetic or on guard with him. That sort of tricks to be kind of uh, vibe That's you either love it or you hate that stuff and and you know we're all here because we love it I think I can't really add anything else to what Al said about the music it's straight back and it's simple but it works all the better for it it's it's not like a, it doesn't run out of puff for me this tune I, I quite like it I think it's about the right length and I, I think it's kind of left me a little bit hungry for more at the end so I think it could have could have worked as a longer drawn out piece and I've not thought about the dub thing either but you're totally right Al. I, I hear that it's less the sound and more the attitude towards the production you Some you of the techniques,
0: yeah, that have been. Employed, in, you know, the different setting, but they are the very sort of typical King Dubby type tricks.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, when we did Kimball, it's yeah, you two are way more into Dub than I am. But I, I totally hear that. And the other thing that I was I was going to mention as well was about that technique of using the melody as the riff or the riff as the melody, whichever kind of happens first, is is something they use really, really well in it.
1: I just think it shows his nose, his pop nose, to be like this. Just Needs that one lyric. And I think it's a very smart decision. Again, you get this middle run of the songs that we normally have, and they're they're a wild roller coaster. So you've got Iceland followed by Friends, followed by Lost in Music, followed by Hands Up Billy. And it's hard to see. How th- <laughs> I mean it's not the same band, but it's hard to see how that's the same band. But Smith's making a lot of those decisions. And they they work most of the time. He's got it's just his intuition, his experience, and he makes a lot of calls. And so many of them work. Not the next two. So <laughs> but, uh, but in this one, yes.
0: It's one of the great things about the formal, the way that they did progress, like album after album, not two were the, the same, you know. It, it, simply say the Beatles progressed, not two Beatles LPs were the same. There's always that something different about it, whether taking a different approach, uh, whereas a uh, shape like a just uh, sings uh, boring, 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 but that's an aside again. <laughs>
2: before but you used to reference all the time from Kurt Cobain about, uh, about that progression that Alice has talked about like when you track the Beatle albums from like you know the please the please me kind of era to, to Revolver there's only a few years really isn't there and they, they go from being this hard-working pop band to being this you know revolutionary studio maverick kind of band Kurt Cobain was like it takes bands much longer these days to kind of get that kind of progression in the career, but the, the, I think it's a really underrated aspect of the fall journey, isn't it? In as much as Peel quarter, always different, always the same. That the always different is radically different in, in some of these
1: changes. I think what it is, is the turmoil, the constant changing, sometimes deliberate, sometimes because of whatever else is going on. Smith seems to really, really care about three or four really specific things. Putting an album out every year about having that rhythm and not veering from it but then he'll be totally he'll let let mad things go like just having having like really weird sounds and like pain work just having a cassette playing halfway through the middle or whatever and he'll make these instinctive choices and then let things unfold but then have these really specific things that have to happen in every track it's like as long as I've got A, B and C everything else can go on and I think that's what that that always the same always different a lot of it comes from that
2: yeah we had a similar conversation a few weeks ago where I referenced Warren Buffett the five action guy who said that the secret of his success was always shopping for his clothes in the same place living in the same place it was sort of those regular routines where he could sort of see where the rest of the world going because his little world didn't change. And Smithy, had the same attitude didn't he? he lived in the same house he was drinking in the same pubs he didn't move out of the city he? all all of those aspects always remained the same but everything else was totally
1: chaotic <laughs> yeah what does Peely think of this song friends Phil
2: it's come in now loud and clear what an odd album opener compared to Lay of the Land Pay Rates or any number of other stompers here we get a melancholy reflection over a bass line to die for I don't think it's a good album at all but I love this track it feels first out a morning after-ish
1: Bremen Knack's on this album as well isn't it there's a couple of the tracks but yeah this is not one that's that's well loved the experiment part of the title I think was taken quite literally but up against it tonight is a, a cover of the Sister Sledge classic if you thought Victoria was a bad choice hear up this <laughs>
0: the money the table. The money the The palace of access leads to the palace of access
1: Good Lord, Phil, what do you make of this, this bloody racket?
2: Uh, right, so I, I I love the original. It's it's gonna have to work hard anywhere, but for, for me to like it. But the, a couple of things jumped out to me at first because I I listen to everything on Spotify, and this is the top choice on Spotify for the fall. If you if you look at the top five on there, it is number one. This is the masses have spoken. This is the best fall track out there. Nothing that they wrote. Just just this cover version on uh, on a particularly <laughs> Mediocre album. I really like the start of it. when it When it comes on, it makes me smile. It's a great intro. I think the um, the addition of the whole Blake isms works, and it puts a smile on my face. But for me, it just can I get a bit bored with it, and the more that I listen to it this week the less and less I've enjoyed listening to it as a, as a tune. You know, he's even got some decent Smithy noises on it, hasn't he? Where he's kind of yelping away at the start there and stuff. But the other thing that I noted was, um, and I know this was speculation, I think, when we were listening to LA, but they kind of finger-pointed to bands like New Order when they went All-American and, and all that kind of thing. But this is pure like, Arthur bakery kind of production on it with the chic guitar, even sort of jingle jangling in the background. Uh, so it's, I, I kind of get why people like it. It's got a novelty kind of thing. Oh, they're doing a disco tune. This 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 old punk band's doing a disco tune. But for me, it's I've, I've found myself just <laughs> liking it less and less as the week's gone on, really. The best I can say about it is it's a good intro. Do you know what it reminds me of, actually? Do you remember back in the day we used to go to, to Widow P on a Wednesday night for the for the indie night. Right. And uh uh sympathy for the devil would come on and everyone would get all go, yeah, sympathy for to yeah, it. And then about three, four minutes into it, five minutes into it, like, when's this song gonna fucking end? And I, just <laughs> I end up I end up getting that vibe with this song which uh which is is not a positive thing. But there you go that's that's kind of a bit affects
1: me. I agreed with almost everything you said. Except for The Sympathy of the Devil. Love that song. That cannot go on long enough for me. Yeah, I, was, I, I really love it. <laughs> um, Alan, what's your take on this Bonafide yeah, classic?
0: That's Phil mentioned, you know. It's by the uh, famous singing nun, Sister Sledge. <laughs> uh, other famous singing nuns are available. I'm um, here I mean, all week. Yeah, so Sledge is the favourite. Um yeah, I remember at the time like, when it was released and he came. What the hell are you doing? What, what's going on in your tiny little adult mind? It's, it's a very video friendly sounding tune, and they did they, they get lucky or just they, the world went mad? That could have been uh, you know something that's played regularly on smooth FM nowadays. But yeah, I did make notes about the production, feel the films I kind of mentioned, the Arthur Berker stuff, and the, the sort of new ordery, video friendly disco hit vibe to it, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's not the, not the best cover that they ever did,
1: is it? Who's that fella off from Heidi Heidi High? <laughs> <laughs> Ted. Ted Ted Boris, right? What was it Paul Chen. Have you ever seen that clip of him on Pebble Mill?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Classic live TV. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I'm not saying. No, I'm not saying that's what this is. <laughs> Some of my best mates are covered because the backing track to me sounds like a carry off It's kind of like you're being karaoke and this should come on and it's just kind of like They've taken Sister Sledge, they've taken these crack session musicians, disco, disco stews, and they have boiled it down to the weakest 90s indie radio fodder. And to be honest, I don't even particularly like the original, you know, give me something like "I Feel Love or something like that, some Giorgio Moroder, Yes, but a Sister Sledge one? No, um, someone somewhere was suggesting that the stuff that Smith threw in about the money's on the table, he's singing in, in french or whatever, and he's talking about the palace of excess. The original quote is like the road to road of excess leads the palace of wisdom, right? The the blake thing so then he's subverting this song somehow saying that like you lost losing your mind in this darkness but it's like i don't buy any of that it's just it's just a really weak shitty jangly karaoke song and i'm i've got to say people spotify i'm very disappointed in you and i'm I'm glad that this this from the infotainment stand this is the album that went top 10 it was going to number nine in the charts right if they'd put this out as a single, this could have been a top ten single, and who knows what what devastation? If we wouldn't have had any any records after that? After 1993, that would have been the end. Who knows? In it, lost his mind in a, in a disco. Praised fallout. I'm glad that uh, the albatross didn't. Uh, what, are you, what are you saying here, Larry? Come on, <laughs> get yourself together.
2: Next thing you know, Sunday afternoon, he's up on Glastonbury with Tony Bennett. <laughs>
1: Let's move you know, on. I, I, would, I would have liked to have uh, heard
2: him doing a pony
0: and cover. That'd, uh, I'd have been pretty cool. you know, I I I'm or something.
1: Belfast, Belfast. It's a country that's changing. You ever heard their comment on the uh, the troubles? No, no, no. <laughs> you, yeah, should, I don't know. you should Google that, that for a for a. Uh, I'm
2: just disappointed in didn't do yes sir, I can do I think that would have.
1: Uh, oh yeah. That would have been... There's so many to choose from, really. That's um. So all in all, not a Tidy, deal. Yellow ribbon. I should have to think what what take down Peel has written in his uh in his spectral <laughs> texts. What does he say?
2: So he's, he's, come, he's come back at this one with another pointless cover version with an intro that almost redeems it, but doesn't do enough in the end. Nil Plath. The intro is really good. The intro is, is uh, it gets me excited. It's it, it, it peters out too quickly.
1: So we've got Friends versus Lost in Music. I am clearly going for Friends, the 90s TV phenomenon.
2: Phil? Yes, no brainer. It's Friends. Alistair, birthday boy? Friends, Friends.
1: And uh, Peel, he's made his, his um, peelings very clear. So let's move on to a song which, bizarrely, Smithy decides to let somebody else write, play on, and sing. Is it still a fall track? Hands up, Billy.
0: You a oh, there he is. Show all I can see. some money no the, the car is fill out all the well.
1: How the
2: Billy from Billy it's to Hands Up Billy, I, I didn't know this jargon until uh, the the annotated fall. Apparently, it's it's sales jargon, isn't it? The Hands Up Billy thing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm coming along to your way of thinking about these things, Brendan, which I'm I'm sure will uh, inflate your ego. No end. If it's if it's not got a Smithy singing it, it's it's a bit hard to kind of compare apples with apples, isn't it? Really, And it, it, it instantly is uh, it's it's struggling. I did think when I was listening to it in the car that if it just came on the radio, I would probably think, oh, that was all right. Do you know what I mean? But because it's set in the context of this is a fall tune, you, you set your, uh, your your critique level a bit higher, and uh, it just struggles on that front. Although I do think I, like, there are some good lyrics in it, and I don't think it's bad. I think the performance is, is pretty decent. The geezer's voice is all right. The tone of everything's... Nice, not in a pejorative way, I just mean as in it's not offensive or anything, it's engaging enough, but it's not a fall track, it's just a bit too much of an indie rocker, I think, really, isn't it? Uh of the of the time. It feels like he's been out uh, watching some bands and he thought, Oh, that tune's all right, I'll have that one. Uh you can come in and we'll give you some recording time as long as uh I can t- I can take the credit for it. But uh so it's it's all right, but it's it's not a great fall tune.
1: So this is the lad Neville Wilden who's singing says it's his, it's his- song and um because oh, okay. at first i thought it was it was drama because i'd mixed up the album it was on i always get the unutterable and and the extricate mixed up even though they're a good few years apart but this is after unutterable which is when you know everything went to shit and then they came back with a martial suite and then they did the, this album which we, we've got, I've got quite a lot of love for so far in in this um in this podcast. But yeah, Hands Up Billy. Yeah, nice as a McCluskey B-side. Or like you say, it comes on the radio. I'd be like, okay, not bad. Might stick that on a mixtape back in the the day. And I like the lyrics. Someone print another billion and uh, Hands Up Billy or the Crucifix. I kind of think that they were playing it because Smithy apparently when people joined the band one thing he would do is say have you got any songs and uh, I think normally he meant musically because he did with his, a bunch of bricks his songs he took basically the music and then put new lyrics over it Um, but I think he might have had a go at it sounds like he was having to go and he just Probably just too fast for him. I'm kind of, I'm guessing here, but he just might have just said, "Oh, you do it," and then thought it sounded okay. It's not a bad track, but I found myself after listening to it three like, or four times skipping it and thinking, like, it's it isn't. I don't want to put more any more time in this because there's much more to it, and it's not Smith's lyrics, it's not Smith's delivery, and it's a decent rocker. Yeah, Al, oh, what did you make of this? Yeah, it
0: reminded me of that way Who song, you know, that blue one.
1: Oh yeah, the song, song yeah. true.
0: Yeah, the normal Mark Smith thing stands out like a soft thumb. Um, and then I just kind of like thought back, uh, well, you know, back to when he used to do the Musicians Collective up in Tellings, and uh, I was thinking if, if it was, you know, like a collective band doing that, I'd be well impressed. But it's not a false song, isn't it? And <laughs> the keys, I'm not too keen on. Them. They're quite in the mix, like, but bloody hell, I don't know what they're thinking of with that. Either. Yeah, uh, he did, I think he's trying to do a, a bit of a sort of like smithy type intonation as well in it, and to to kind of make it sound a bit more like folk. Yeah, uh, but I wasn't massively impressed. Mister Eric Nomes, paint shot Billy.
1: Nice. That lad didn't stay around too long. I know you've said Phil a couple of times. I think you saw them live with him playing, and you thought he was a pretty good guitarist. And he's definitely got. The chops there but um yeah just craving smithy i mean and then the next song got this is also often i trouble the um hot hot pubes um he, um, it, it's a very it's slowed down which I think means that Smith can sing it but it's got a lot of similar isms in a way it's cut from the same cloth but before we move on to that what um, what does your man JP think of Hands up billy?
2: He's rattled the following this is a bit shouty and weak isn't it? It'd be alright if I was drunk I think there <laughs> go
1: shots for the point sure <laughs> fair enough
2: it? Uh, requires that the whole
1: lot <laughs> imagine jumping around and shouting this in, in that said fabled 90s 90s club should it uh, have popped up but um hot runes sunny afternoon hit it <laughs> Elan Hatton on about Alistair does this tickle your fancies
0: it's okay yeah uh, yeah Alan Brazil the him back in there, playing for Man United I don't really know what the song's going on about really well I never do kind of crampsy blues explosion sort of feel to it I did get the fair out. I thought that was a bit pointless because he had a like, kind of a natural stop beforehand but it might just be you know, for the sake of doing it you know? it's, 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 it's annoying some people the fair out thing you, you, I think he's it's a Obviously, a bit of a lazy way out, isn't it? Quite like the keys in it. it, just reminded me of a, an annoying wasp in the room. And you know, considering what I was saying about the keys on the, the last one, and then, then both being on the same old page, was a variety you know, in the shitness. Yeah, I mean, maybe the key should be louder, but yeah, it was okay.
1: Interesting, thought that would have warmed you up a little bit more, but um, what do I know? Nothing, Phil.
2: It's all right, isn't it? It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the the, the riffs are okay. The tone, I think, is a bit cheesy on the guitar. I don't I don't think it delivers where it needs to. It would benefit from a bit of that John Spencer bluesy explosion overdrive on it. Really, would mm-hmm. it, that flavour of distortion rather than the more kind of bog standard pedal distortion that they seem to go with. It feels like the guitarist is on the verge of cracking what a fall song should kind of be going for but still hasn't but he's still on that journey hasn't quite cracked it yet it's better and slightly more interesting than the last one musically but not a massive amount i mean it's off the same album isn't it so it's i guess that's to be expected but it's um it's okay fair to middling
1: i think you're right that it suffers from People not knowing what the fall should be. If it was Hanley and Scanlon playing this, it would have been a bit harder, a bit meaner. And if Smith had stepped up a little bit because his lyrics, are, they literally look like he's just written him down off the telly they're one of those ones like he's talking about Derek Hatton and Alan Brazil and they've turned the cities into animal pens the whole thing's done just in two minutes nice riffage twangy cycle Billy but a bit light sadly so I think it's a missed opportunity
2: I think the, the reference to Scotland is interesting because one of the things that never fails to amaze me about those earlier records is the fact that he can get such a harsh aggressive sound out of essentially a clean guitar plugged into an amp without going through anything at all. It's just a clean guitar sound, and it sounds like it's tearing your face off. Whereas this, it's like got that potential about it, but it just sounds like it's an unplugged electric guitar struggling to kind of keep up with a, a legend that it can't possibly attempt to keep up with. I, I think that's a good point of reference for this one. It's a, it's a shame that these two are caught together and uh, Iceland's been so <laughs>
1: <laughs> well the worst is yet to come. Maybe
2: I did think the best was okay. I mean, let's say
0: be fair, name.
1: I I kind of liked the bit where it was doing that one da ding da ding ding ding. That guitar kind of one note guitar thing going through. The mm, yeah, not that laid back oh, June's kind of afternoon kind of like. The vibe, I, I had a promise, but um, now everything's just a little bit off. What does our friend over there on the other side think?
2: He's uh, shouting he's from the other room. Ah, it's okay, I guess. Don't really like the production and guitar sound, but it bops along in a lounge kind of way. Better than Billy, but not by a very wide margin. Yeah, it has got a bit of a lounge thing,
1: doesn't it? Oh, so there's a vocal. Smith comes in kind of leisurely. Yeah. So, I think uh, it's a done deal that um, hot rubes goes through. Am I correct in thinking that, Alistair, Philip? Yeah. More runes. More runes, please. We'll come back to this one and give it one more chance. You know, maybe it will have matured and uh, simmered over the next few months. <laughs> we'll be praising it to the to the high hills. All right. Coming in for the last two this evening, we've got Wolf Kiddled Man from Imperial Wax Solvent. had runes, krakens, goblins. Now we've got wolf kiddult. Reputation is gone. You're in the clear, boy. Every day of your life, you persevere, boy. He's rhyming. He's got his best suit on. He's got his nice leather jacket. And if you look at them in that uh, that Godridge, Nigel Godridge in the basement kind of set, it's nice. You can imagine that Smith would have absolutely loved this. I think this is him saying this is what my band it's what my group should sound like nice riffage nice heavy bass nice heavy beat straight down no messing around no faffing about and it's a great great tune uh, great but it just to me seems like fall in their Sunday best and it's not necessarily what I want it's it's a really nice tune it does everything that it should (laughs) his lyrics are not not brilliant Go into the shops. <laughs> you go into the shops, but it's a straight-up solid tune. When I compare it to the next one, which should, which, which should be a throwaway song, this one is just too polite but for my liking. What do you reckon, Al? Yeah, it's this kind of
0: solid in it. It's a, a very good stompy sort of beat to it. I can imagine it'd be great in a Godzilla film. You know, watching him kicking over a few buildings. Is it? Is the song about a band member? Is it one of those fantastic slagging off somebody uh, I, whilst making them play the song?
1: I don't know because this is the first album with those three lads mm. that um, Pete Greenway and Kieran Mellon and uh, is it Dave Spur there, the lad who stayed with him for the last six. The one, the one that he probably was berating with English musicians <laughs> last week with whatever that song was, English musicians. Yeah, was but I don't know if he's. This seems like him mocking a, a hipster. As a kid, care. someone who's not... Man baby. Man baby, isn't it? Where is your mum? Where is your mum?
0: Yeah, it's got that Gary G ninety sound to it. I reckon, do you know, if it had been released, probably, sort of, if it was a single, 93, 94, something like that, it, it could have. If it, again, you know, really got some success there, mm. uh, like riding on the back of the whole grunge thing. So yeah, it's got that that kind of vibe to it. It's It's okay, yeah.
1: However, it, it didn't come out in 1990. It came out in 2008, so mm. a
0: little bit. 15 years too late.
1: <laughs> 15 years too late. But, and I saw them, because now they've carried on as the band Imperial Wax, the three lads, and there's a couple of clips of them playing live, and this is a really good, solid rocking tune, and I should love it. I just don't know why I don't, Phil.
2: I think it's because it's all craft, isn't it? The, these, the, these three are probably the best technical... Musicians that The Fall's ever had in terms of they're all. I, I get the impression that they're all professional session guys. They can wander into a studio and do a job for anybody. They can. They know what The Fall sounds like, and all oh, right, so you're going to expect this, this, and this, and all the kind of numbers get jumbled, and the and they deliver a job. It's like journeyman kind of music, isn't it? With uh, with solid musicians. The issue I think is the opposite of the last song, which is what you trade off for professionalism and technical acumen, you kind of lose a bit of the inspiration. And what I found with this is that on first listen, you're like, oh yeah, it's decent. The production's solid. The drums are are kicking you in the chest like they should do. All the guitar riffs are like nailed and everything's kind of razor sharp in terms of all the, the shifts and turns in the music but it's just it, it just lacks a bit of personality about it because of all that it's a bit too clinical it's a bit it's a bit too straight and down the line a bit too played with a straight back the whole thing so it's it suffers in repeat listens and I, I, that's the impression I got from when you listen to Imperial waxhol and the band now as they are those musicians is the fact that it hasn't got that loose in one corner smithy element To it all, and that this music's a bit like that for me. Whereas, uh, so yeah, so I'm first impressed it was like this is quite a competent piece of music, I think you'd call it out. But in terms of kind of, digging into it and the, the way that you can kind of listen to a track like Temperance or Iceland over and over again and get something different every time. It's it's missing a bit of that depth and character and personality. and Like painting by numbers? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. It, it, it feels a bit like competency over interest, a bit of craft over inspiration, that, that kind of thing. So there's nothing to criticise apart from it just seems to miss that,
1: it, yeah, I think that's just the, the same thing I, I feel about it That's Key Kid, which we have listened to Did a lot of the same things Didn't quite take off Senior Twilight Stop Replacer is on this album as well And early on, we, we kind of like that one So um, there's definitely highlights on this record But this one, head my numbers, maybe I don't think they're session musicians per se But I think the quality of their playing Is such that they can just And I think it's one of the things Going back to before about Smith having a few very specific things he wants. And one of the ones that, things he wants is for people to play straight down the line. But because you get people like Scanlon, who just either don't or can't play down the line, you get this beautiful kind of thing, but then you get someone who can. And I, like I said, I can imagine him being very pleased with the results, but from an outside perspective, it, doesn't, it lacks that kind of, it lacks that hex effect.
2: Yeah, I think to me, the fall sound is keen amateurs rather than uh, competent musicians. It's it's about people who've got a lot, it's all passion. The great thing with Scanlon is the fact that you've got this, what seems to be, Quite remarkable natural virtuosity about his his approach to playing.
0: It. It's like he's screaming out for something to get in them and fucking up in it. It's just too straight laced. Yeah, you need let like, let on his piano in the background or
1: something. <laughs> so the, the Hanley's podcast, Kieran Mellon, the drummer was on there. He talked about like they knew when they started with him, they knew what Smith was like. He's going to play live. He's going to go around. He's going to turn your amps off. He's going to move your drums. You just ignore him and you keep going. And then when he's gone, you put everything back how it was. And that. That's a very different attitude to like Ham, when you talk about Steve Hamley talking about the same thing he said like if he but the first time Smith did it, he was raging and he said he shouldn't have done that. If he did just let it go, Smith probably would have never done it again. But because he realised so much it annoyed him, he then started doing it all the time. But the three lads just, can not they just, they, we know he's going to do it. They just played through it and that's what he wanted. But, it, but in the end, that's what kind of did this album in to some extent. Um, what does Peel think of it?
2: So for Wolf Adult, man, he's got a good, solid, traditional fall banger from one of my favourite Latter-day albums i to let down by bad mono mixing. I think this was a result of one of Mark's moments of sabotage that didn't work out too well, and I'd love to hear Showbiz's mix of the record. The band had real force live around this time, and I remember this being a highlight of one of the
1: shows I went to. So there is a, a released set in which is Grant Showbiz's mixes, so you can hear them, I think, on YouTube and stuff. I us do a few. There was a, they were a bit different, but I don't know if it really would have made much difference to what, to, to what I was saying there. So. All right, last one tonight. Let's have a listen to Bert Whistle's Girl in Shop" from the uh, Protein Christmas EP 2003. Do you say too much professionalism <laughs> phil your turn go on
2: yes 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 more please more more of this what a great find um i never even heard of this it was amazing i loved it and you left it right to the end of playlist as well which was fab because then uh, we got through a bit of the dross and then this pops up right at the end i was bouncing around the ice dancing along to this absolutely fab we had some chat earlier on this week where I said uh, it's like he'd listened to Warder Lane and said, uh, oh, I think what you meant to do was this. <laughs> it's great. And even that, uh, even his slurry kind of vocal style over the top is just, I, I could listen to it all day. I really could. And I think the, the it's that perfect balance of indie lo-fi, raspy kind of instruments and a really strong groove sensibility about it all that is just... Uh, right beers let's dance it's fab it's sun's out it's great festival time whatever yeah more it's great
1: you threw in some references saying it reminded you of money mark uh beastie boy's keyboard
2: well i actually said marky mark but uh, yeah that's what i meant
1: keyboard money mark you know he ain't having it give him some wood and he'll build you a cabinet Great, great stuff, reminding me of the Silver Apples as well. Al, what do you make of this one?
0: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, mostly for the, the Rowley Birkin QC vocal style, which is just an amazing vocal performance. Uh, he just seems ratted off his ass, you know, it's uh, <laughs> just ranting um, over like a, a kind of like fairly groovy beat, you know. It did remind me a bit of sort of fat boy slimmer. or um, in some respects a bit like sleep and mobs but considerably better yeah I really liked it and like you said I, I'm in the same boat as you on this one with uh, didn't know it um, so yeah Great surprise uh, But bloody love The vocals on
1: it So the thing is uh, It's interesting That you said the leaf with mods Because apparently This is all done By Spencer Bertwistle, Who was the drummer uh, In and around that time I don't think He was in the band At the time The story seems to be That Smith met him In the pub And said Like he got his songs Or they were talking About songs He's like Played him or whatever And they dragged him To the studio And they just put vocals On it there and then Which is why he sounds Like he's absolutely <coughs> Leathered And um, the lyrics Barely make any Sense. He's going on about Hollywood vampires and uh, colonial slaves. And one of the best uh, lyrics, a nonsensical sentence of um, 15 people off on where holidays go, whatever that means. This is a force of nature. This is whatever does not kill him makes him longer, stronger. This is the impolite Smith. The last one was Smith on his way to church on a Sunday morning. This is him in the Catholic club at half past 11 on Sunday night when he's got to get up for work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> three hours or whatever is a uh, absolute level yeah more and more and more of this because we clearly can't fake our interest in this in these songs so it's like we were well into those first two iceland and um geotemperance temperance and then it just kind of like oh we had the Uh, Often the last few weeks, those middle songs have had some charms in there, but this week it was a bit of a slog. Um, There's
2: not been been any of those songs that on first listen, I've thought, I'm not really into this. And then it's kind of opened and blossomed as a tune where you've started to dig deeper and deeper into it. Or there's there's been like a a key that opens it and you think, oh, my God, yeah, this this is amazing. You've been pretty much, they've either been of interest or not of interest right from the off The with the only exception being um, the one that lost my interest, which is, lost my interest so much I can't even think, I lost in music, which uh, which kind of became less interesting on
1: more listens. What does Paley say?
2: He says, protein Christmas, slack jaws, tooth free, smithy ranting to a synth line that farts a good old shuffle stomp. Good fun, but not exactly essential. This is the closest that the false sound to the way that my missus describes them. One point. As a side note, are these etheric tendrils getting on anyone else's nerves? I wouldn't mind so much if they weren't so bloody curious about exploring where they shouldn't. It's bloody distracting. You know, a bit of gossip from
1: the other side nice. It seems that he has voted Wolf Kiddleman Man as a winner in this. What, what do you say?
2: Yeah. Oh God,
0: girl in shop all the way. I'll even yeah. if it's just for the fourth on alone, girl in shop brilliant.
1: Really yeah, me too. So that leaves us this evening with J-Temperance, Friends, Hot Runes, and Birt Whistle's Golden Shop going through to the next round. We well, we're gone...
2: all the... the Hot Runes got through, aren't
1: we? Exactly. Well, we've gone there. We talked and talked. Mostly me. But uh, thanks. Have a good birthday, Alistair. And um, Thank you We'll see you on, on another side. Bye. Oh,